Yeah, Trump will spend the rest of his life in jail. Uh, is my, my, my position, and I'm, my, my story, I'm sticking to it, is one way or the other, it may, it may take a while, just as it's already taken a while, he's going to end up spending the rest of his life in jail. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our new show, George Conway Explains It All to Sarah. Uh, you guys asked, you said you wanted more of this, so we're going to deliver. We're going to make this a regular thing. Uh, and just to start, okay, I, I, George, you were there yesterday, right? You went Not to wearing this. hat, but yes, oh, you're, you're wearing, We're both wearing hats today because yeah, we're doing this. Did you guys do that? <laughs> make attorneys get attorneys. Yeah, I just want to make sure everybody sees the hat. Okay, so listen, so you were you were at the trial yesterday, um, and I, I, I want to hear, like, how you got into the room, but before you do that, I need you to explain to me, because uh, I had to have somebody else explain this to me, this immunity case is part of the Jack Smith Correct. January 6th case. Correct. And they had a trial in front no. of a single judge. No trial. No, no, no. Okay, wait. Explain here's to me yeah, well, how we got to the Court of Appeals. Okay, here, here's, here's how it goes. Um, in the federal system and in state systems, I mean, basically there is a trial court that, where people get indicted and they go to trial. If they ask for a jury or if the government asks for a jury, they get a jury and it's presided over by a single judge. And then there's a judgment of conviction. If there's a judgment of conviction, then that gets appealed to an appellate court. In the federal system, you, you go to the United States District Court for the District of Columbia. And that's where Judge Chutkin sits. And the trial in his case, the election interference case brought by Jack Smith, is scheduled to begin on March 4th. I guess that would be the day that jury selection would begin but right now it stayed and the reason why it stayed is because trump made a motion to dismiss on grounds that he is immune from prosecution since the acts that he committed he claims uh, were official acts and he also claims that the the president of the united states cannot be prosecuted even after he leaves office for official acts which got him into a little trouble yesterday um, so he made that motion to dismiss, along with another argument based on something called the impeachment judgment clause. He lost before Judge Chutkin, who wrote a very nice 60 or 70, I don't know how long. It was a long opinion. And then he appealed that order. And the court obliged by expediting the case so, so that oral arguments were held yesterday. And can I just ask, was this the one that Jack Smith wanted to go to the Supreme Court to take up to make a really Correct. fast ruling? And yeah. they declined, right? And they, they kicked it back to this Court declined. of Appeals. Right. There, there is a procedure that's only used very rarely, whereby if a case has been appealed to a United States Court of Appeals, any party to that appeal, whether or not they're challenging the district court judgment or not, can file a petition for a writ of certiorari before judgment, telling the Supreme Court this case is already on appeal, but for various reasons, because it's usually because it's important to the country, you need to resolve it now um, and just basically take the case out of the Court of Appeals and put it on your docket and hear it and decide it. 
The court did not do so here, and I think people mistakenly, their first reaction, and I really went out on the airwaves to try to push against it, thought, oh no, it's a disaster, this case, uh, Jack Smith is going to lose, it's terrible, the court's not taking him seriously, and, and this case is never going to get tried. And, and the answer was to that is poppycock, uh, there's that word again. Um, because he bleeps me when I used the other word I used. And so... Um, it's a show for children. It's a show for children, five-year-olds who want to understand <laughs> the law. I get it, I get it. So basically, what the reason why they, they probably, probably the reason why they didn't take it is because they saw that, oh, the D.C. Circuit, the U.S. Court of Appeals, the case, the court that heard the case yesterday, is moving really, really fast. Let's see what they do. All right. So let's let's bring us to yesterday, which is um, so you're 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 in the D.C. Circuit Court uh, and to hear these oral arguments. First of all, how'd you get in? Is it like waiting to get to like into a Grateful Dead well, show? Did you have to camp out the night before? Well, in the in the courts, Court of Appeals, they they had, you know, they used a small courtroom yesterday. It wasn't that big as far as courtrooms go. There's a much, much bigger courtroom there for ceremonial and, and, and en banc uh, events. And there were two lines on the fifth floor where the courtroom was. And I, it, at, that, at that point, it became clear that not everybody was going to get in because it's pretty small. And they only took 10 journalists in the press line. I was in the unwashed line, which was much longer. And I was like 15th or so. Um, and they lit in about 20. So it was like if I had gotten the press credential, I would have been sent to the overflow room where they have a closed-circuit TV feed. I probably would have been able to hear things and see things a little bit better, um, frankly, uh, in, in the, on, on, the, on the TV. Um, and, but it was much more fun to be in the courtroom, uh, even though I only got to see the back of the, or the orange guy's head. Okay, so he couldn't see you. He but I, you know what, though? I'm sure he felt your presence. Well, he would if he. I was trying to do my best, you know, with using you know, force lightning, but uh, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. No, I mean, he would. Yeah, he he would not have been happy to see me because he now knows that I was the guy who found Gene Carroll a lawyer, among other things. So. He was very upset about that. I think he knows you on several fronts. Okay, yeah. so like, so so I read your Atlantic piece, but why don't you just give us a rundown of like, what was the main argument that Trump's lawyer was trying to make to these judges about why he deserves presidential immunity? Yeah, I mean, there, there were two arguments that he was making. One was that the president is, at, as a matter of the separation of powers and the inherent nature of the Constitution and structural guarantees under Article II, to protect the presidency's ability to function, there is an absolute presidential immunity from criminal prosecution. And the legal authority they cite for that is a long line of cases in the civil realm. And those civil cases hold that, well, the president is unique among public officials in that the things that he does affect the entire country frequently, if not the entire world. And if we were to hold him civilly liable for doing things that may be incorrect or illegal or you know, for, for any kind of screw up that he might make, um, he could be subjected to these massive claims for damages from everyone, for everyone in the United States or everyone in the world, and there'd be a huge humongous class action. And, it would be terrible because the president's going to always be thinking not about what he, whether he's doing the best thing for the country. He's going to consider, well, you know, I could be bankrupted here. 
And so essentially the Supreme Court on that basis held that there is an absolute civil immunity for the president um, for damages liability uh, for actions taken by the president, quote, within the outer perimeter of his official responsibility, close quote. And it's very, very broad. It's basically anything the president is supposed to do and it's connected to that, that should be covered. Um, the second argument that he makes uh, is a much, much weaker argument, not that the first argument was strong. And the ne next argument he makes is based upon a provision in Article One, a Section 3 uh, that deals with impeachment and the judgments that Congress can issue in impeachments. And the second part of the impeachment judgment clause is the part that Trump and his lawyers were relying on. And that clause basically says, in, in words of pretty simple language, uh, that if somebody is tried and convicted in the Senate and removed, they can still be prosecuted in the ordinary course in the courts of law. They can, they can, be, they can be indicted and sent to jail after the impeachment trial. But anyway, what happened yesterday is he, they, they, both, they brought both of those arguments up. Um, the argument that he is absolutely immune from civil liability, and then the argument that the impeachment judgment clause, by negative inference, um, prohibits him from being indicted because he was charged and not convicted in the Senate. Um, and what happened was, those two arguments are in great tension with each other. I mean, there were two things that we, we, I think we all saw, or many people here following along, and you could read about it in my Atlantic piece, um, how an old friend of mine, actually, Judge, Judge Florence Pan, who I met 30 years ago, she was a summer associate at my old law firm, a very smart woman, uh, just unbelievably smart. She, it was clear from your piece you really liked this woman. I thought she was good. She is fabulous, and if Biden puts her on the Supreme Court, man, that would be, you know, he, he, would, he would be doing himself a big favor. And I, 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 there's a good chance that might happen. I don't know. Yeah, okay. So explain to me what you heard yesterday. Here's what happened. D. John Sauer, who is Trump's lawyer, he had a very, very gravelly voice. He's from Missouri, but he talked like a New Yorker otherwise. Um, he's a former, he's a graduate of Harvard Law School, a former clerk to Judge Ludig, a former clerk to Justice Scalia, and he was appointed to be Solicitor General of the state of Missouri by one then Attorney General Josh Hawley. So, you know, he's, 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 he's got a red hat of a different sort, and um, he... The bad Argu kind. The bad kind, the bad red hats, yes. And so his, he, he said, I'm going to go to the merits now, and he said, um, we'll be opening a pan, you'd be opening a Pandora's box, he said, if you allow President Trump to be prosecuted here. And he gave a couple of examples, and this is what we call in the law the parade of horribles. Uh, when you're just saying, oh, if you rule against my client, then look at the bad things that would happen and the bad things that would happen, he said, for example. For example, George W. Bush could be prosecuted. It's a leave part of the statute of limitations. He could be prosecuted for having lied to Congress to get us into war. Barack Obama could be prosecuted for uh, ordering drone strikes that killed American citizens abroad. And at that point, Judge Pan just cut him off right there. He didn't even get a chance to ask, to answer, to finish his argument at that point. He says, well, let me explore the implications of your argument. And she posed a couple of, it's about three hypotheticals. One is, what if the president um, sold nu nuclear secrets to a foreign power? 
What if the president sold pardons and personally profited? And the third one, which is the one that got the most attention, is what if the president ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to SEAL Team 6. Is it your contention that the president is absolutely immune from, from, for, for, for those actions? And under his absolute immunity argument, the answer is yes, because... I mean, you could, he, he might try to, he could fence about whether these were official acts, but issuing a pardon is an official act. Talking to foreign countries is an official act. I mean, you know, I mean, selling is a little, goes a little beyond that, but, but he's in the normal course of, you know, broad reading of his official responsibility. He's entitled to give information to foreign leaders. Um, the third, um, you know, he's entitled to, or he's the commander-in-chief of the military. He can order SEAL Team 6, as President Obama did, to take out Osama bin Laden. Um, he, you know, and the question is, well, that's, you know, you, you issue an order, and this is the point that Judge Pan made, you issue an order, President issues an order to SEAL Team 6, that's, that's official conduct, regardless of who he's sending them to go after. So the response that John Sauer gave on behalf of Trump is, was, was wishy-washy. He didn't want to say, yes, um, they're all, those actions are all immune because that's just an incredibly stark position. And at the same time, he was also taking this screwball position that I mentioned before about the impeachment judgment clause that says, which actually does say, actually, his position was that negative implication, but the impeachment judgment clause actually does say that people can be prosecuted after they're thrown out of office. And so he took that part of what the impeachment judgment clause said, which actually is contradictory to the entire notion of presidential immunity, because, well, if presidents were immune, you wouldn't say he could, a president or any public, a public official may, could be prosecuted after being impeached and convicted. At least you would have said, except for the president, if you thought the presidents were immune from um, uh, uh, criminal prosecution for their official acts. So she starts drilling in on the tension between there. She's trying to get him to say, you're saying this is, this is absolutely immune. This is Judge Pan. And he's fighting that and saying, well, in the SEAL Team 6 situation, the president would be undoubtedly, he, undoubtedly he'd be impeached and convicted. He, he would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal but prosecution. Ergo, he could be then prosecuted. I don't know. Have you met the Senate, this Republican Senate? Well, I, 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 we'll set that aside. We'll set that aside. And, and, and then, and so Pan kept saying, okay, well, leave aside. Suppose that he is not impeached and removed. And there are a lot of reasons why presidents are not removed, impeached or removed. It could be one. The politics don't allow it, which is what happened twice with Donald Trump. A second could be that um, the evidence doesn't come out until after the president leaves office in the ordinary course. A third reason could be um, the president resigns before he is impeached and convicted, like a la Richard Nixon. So let's say the president, I mean, so the, the, the hypotheticals here, and I think they did kind of get into this later in the argument. I mean, the, the president could decide, 
I'm, you know, on, 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 on Trump's argument, taken at face value, if, if a president decided to order SEAL Team 6 to kill uh, Chuck Schumer and, 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 and Hakeem Jeffries, President Trump does this, and, and all the Democratic members of the Congress, or whoever, whoever he doesn't like, uh, George Conway, Sarah Longwell, whoever, we all, we're all, you know, it's the night of the long night, I suppose he does that. And then he resigns before anybody has a chance to impeach him, which couldn't happen anyway since he's killed half of the Congress. Um, then there would be no basis to prosecute him because he'd be immune and the exception under the impeachment judgment clause that Trump allows would not apply. So it's, not, it's, it's completely insane. But anyway, what Judge Pan did quite brilliantly was trying, in trying to pin him down on, he find, she finally got a clear answer after like several go-arounds. And this is one thing you never do in, 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 in an appellate court. When you're asked a question and you have to make a concession, don't fight it. You say, yes, your honor, that is correct. Right when they're when they're asking you yes or no questions, you don't say it depends or no, but you you just say you know you say yes. But I wouldn't you you, you separately make the point that you want to make. It's just very annoying to the courts, and, and and you just end up wasting time doing that. But anyway, what she pointed out was okay. Your position that he's absolutely immune presumes that he's absolutely immune. He can't prosecute. He can't be prosecuted for anything. On the other hand. You're admitting that he can be prosecuted under the impeachment judgment clause. And, and, and there was an additional tension, which is the reason that he kept saying, Sauer kept saying that we need absolute presidential immunity was because of the fear of political prosecutions, which of course is ironic because the one guy who actually wants to prosecute people for their political activities is Donald Trump. But let's set that aside. Um, and so to, per, to have pure pureness in the criminal justice realm as it applies to president, you can't prosecute them because you just, you know, you can't have that. Then he's arguing, but you can prosecute the president if Congress says, and Congress is kind of a political body, last I checked, you can prosecute the president if Congress says so. I mean, the two positions cannot be reconciled. And Judge Pan brought that out, and it was just... When you see somebody taken apart like that in court, you know they are going to lose. And that's exactly what happened. He was just, Sauer was completely dismantled. And he was trying to fight it, but there was just the, the inexorable logic. Um, and, and Judge Pan just kept drilling in on it. I mean, it just, it just became clear that his position made absolutely no sense. And, and the ultimate, and what she was doing there was highlighting the complete tension between his one argument, both arguments were weak arguments, and when you conflate weak arguments in a, in a court of appeals uh, or the Supreme Court, you just, get, you just get destroyed. And that's exactly what happened here. This one argument says, we need absolute immunity. This other argument says, there is no absolute immunity. <laughs> and, and the two don't mix, but he was conflating them, and in so doing, he set, you know, he set a trap for himself, and um, Judge Pan, just with, with great intellectual... Um, nimbleness just just picked him apart. And, yeah, you said this guy's like a really smart lawyer. Did he not? I mean, uh, you you're making know, a I, 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 he, he's a, he's a very articulate lawyer. I don't particularly like his style, although I mean, I, I well, I shouldn't talk because I talk fast. His way of trying to he, he tried to steamroll the judges, 
into um, by, by basically just the wall of words technique. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he wouldn't answer Judge Pan's questions directly, and then he'd start mumbling on about Marbury against Madison and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I mean, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't that effective. I think the real problem is that he had bad arguments, and I think his choice of arguments... I mean, look, he was going to lose this case anyway. I'm, I'm not... I don't want... I, he is a smart guy, but... Sometimes when you are litigators, very smart litigators, sometimes get tunnel vision. And it's like you don't, you don't realize the flaws in your position, and sometimes you, you end up having, leaving an exposed flank. And I think that's partly what happened here, because they had this terrible argument. I don't know who cooked it up, that they, they, they presented it in the district court. Maybe it was Sauer himself. Maybe it was somebody else. And um, they became so enamored of it that they wouldn't let it go. All right. Just before we wrap up here, just tell me what's going to happen next. What's the next move here? All right. What's going to happen next in this case is that you're going to get, I think, a really solid opinion affirming Judge Chutkin. And that will, I think, then force Trump to try to go to the Umbank D.C. Circuit, which I think will be a failure, or immediately go to the Supreme Court. And then the, the question will be to the Supreme Court, are you going to take this one too, like you took the Colorado case? I think in this situation, there is a decent chance that people have been, I think people were underestimating, but I think now, I think people are starting to see this is, this is how it could play out, where the court says, oh, that's a good opinion by the, the, the Court of Appeals, and uh, let's just let it stand, cert denied. And if that happens, this case is going to trial on Mar- March 4th. And Which, by the way, is the day before Super Tuesday. Just so people know the yeah, calendar of this, the yeah, day no, before. No, I know it's like we, 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 what I want somebody to do. I mean, just security. You know them. They they have yeah, yeah. they have this master calendar that they revise every day that you can pull up on your screen. I want one that goes straight into my calendar on on, on my iPhone. Oh, we've got that. Well, I'll have I'll have the guys. I'll have the guys load you up. Yeah, you could. I think you could charge for that. You know, oh. you could charge for that. Yeah, you, uh, could, you know. I, I, I have the you're, gonna need the you're gonna need the money when 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 when, <laughs> when, when we have to all go into exile. Yeah. Um, you know, to bo- avoid being sent to Guantanamo um, by SEAL Team Six if, if if they let us live. Yeah, I hear Malta's nice. Um, yeah, Malta, I, yeah. I, actually, hey. I met a diplomat from Malta um, a, a, a few months ago. I hope that they're gonna let us in. You're gonna get me in, right? Yeah, he's a very nice guy. Yeah, Malta's okay. Malta would be great. Remember okay. see Patton where they go? He's he's, he's going around and saying Malta. And, anyway. Last question, and then we got to get out of here. If the Supreme Court were to give him immunity, let's just say th- let's just say you 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 are. I'm sure this could never happen. Let's say you're incorrect. Supreme Court gives him immunity. Is he immune in all the cases um, that are currently 91 indictments well, that are out there? He would be immune in this case before Judge Chutkin. He would be immune in the Georgia case. He would not be immune in the, I don't think he would be immune in the um, hush money case in New York. I'm sure he wouldn't be immune. And what's the other criminal case? There's so many The documents. Crimes. The document case, I don't think he would be immune for the obstruction of justice that occurred because he was no longer president there. He might be immune from, he might be immune from having taken the documents with him because he was president when he got on the plane uh, there, there'd be, there'd be he, he, he could be prosecuted for the obstruction of justice because that happened after he was um, in office 
Yeah, Trump will spend the rest of his life in jail. Uh, is my, my, my position, and I'm, my, my story I'm sticking to it, is one way or the other, it may, it may take a while, just as it's already taken a while, he's going to end up spending the rest of his life in jail. George Conway, thank you for explaining all right. it all. To Sarah, this is great. We're going to do it again next right, week. Right. Thanks to all of you. Okay. We'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Don't, Laga. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs>